welcome to New Life Lutheran Podcast, where new life in Christ is celebrated, and we explore together how to live the Christian life with excellence. Thanks for listening today. You can find our podcast at nllutheranpodcast.com. You can subscribe on Podbean, Spotify, iTunes, and Google Play Music. If you have any questions for Pastor Eric or would like to suggest topics for our podcast, you can email Pastor Eric at erik.anderson at nllutheran.com. Our lesson from Scripture this morning comes from the first chapter of the book, the Gospel of Luke. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and he came to her and said, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this might have been. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God, and now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? The angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be holy and will be called the Son of God. And now your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month for her who is said to be barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. Then Mary said, Here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. And then the angel departed from her. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Well, um, my name is Eric. I'm one of the pastors here. I'm not Pastor Ben, and you may have noticed that Pastor Ben is not here this morning, and you're thinking, wait a second, didn't he just have some vacation a couple weeks ago? Well, what you don't know is over the last year and a half that I've been here, I've been planning a hostile takeover of the church. So this is the coup. It's done. No, I'm kidding. Uh, But we miss him, and we look forward to him coming back um, next week and joining us here. Well, we've been um, on this, uh, we've been in this new sermon series called Christmas Expectations. And as I mentioned earlier, we are in what's called the season of Advent. And in the church, um, the, historically, the church, it, the church's new year, the new year for us doesn't start on uh, January 1. The new year actually starts sometime in November. And it starts four Sundays before Christmas. And the reason that we do that is because we want to start our year off, we want to kick our year off, not by celebrating, but by waiting. So the church historically has spent the four weeks before Christmas waiting and having conversations about what it means to wait and to long for the coming of Jesus. So oftentimes during this season, we spend time reading from the Old Testament about the Jewish longing for a Messiah. And we spend some time in the New Testament talking about Jesus coming back, coming again at the end of all things. Um, and so this, this year, what we're doing is we're taking four weeks and we are uh, talking about this theme of 
waiting and expecting and longing. And the series that we have is Christmas Expectations. Uh, Because we all have expectations around this time of the year, right? We expect to have great food. We expect to spend time with family. We expect to have games, watch some good football, and enjoy our time uh, together. And so we wanted to talk about those expectations. We wanted to talk about some of the things that God expects um, during this time, this holy time, before Christmas. And this week, um, we're actually looking at um, a, a woman that's much different from the woman that we looked at last week. Last week, Pastor Ben preached a sermon um, on uh, the genealogy of Jesus, and it's actually one of my favorites that he preached. He spent some time talking about a woman named Rahab, who was a prostitute and also a turncoat. She wasn't loyal to her king or her people. Instead, she uh, heard the word of the Lord and responded accordingly, and she uh, helped the Israelites take over the promised land and take over Jericho. And, um, and this week, we are talking about a much different kind of woman. If Rahab was a little maybe iffy, uncouth, we don't really like, you know, not someone that you would expect to be in Jesus' parentage. Um, we are now talking about Mary, someone who's pure and righteous and upright before God. And this is what we hear about Mary this week. I'm going to be reading out of a different translation called the Common English Bible. This is my favorite translation, and it it shifts a couple things from the NRSV. I think it's a little bit more clear. Um, So this is what we read in this passage. God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a city in Galilee, to a virgin who was engaged to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David's house. The virgin's name was Mary. So we are introduced to this young lady who is getting ready to be married. She's probably a teenager. So that's probably what we're talking about here. And in this community, in this uh, culture, 2,000 years ago in the ancient Near East, marriages were kind of arranged. The parents would find somebody, find a suitor, and then um, would pay that family um, and then marry. Then their daughter would be married off to that man. And so we are introduced to this young lady who's engaged. And as any of you know who um, have been married or watched someone get married, a soon-to-be bride is a hectic thing, right? There's a lot of planning, a lot of thinking, a lot of anticipation, a lot of anxiety, right? Uh, In the United States, the marriage industry is over a $10 billion a year industry. It's insane how much people spend on cakes, on uh, tux rentals and dress rentals, on uh, uh, venues, the whole thing. And back 2,000 years ago in Israel, it was actually quite a bit the same. Marriages were a huge deal in this culture. And in fact, uh, marriage celebrations would last up to seven days. So for seven days, you would entertain and host your family and your guests as they celebrated the the marriage of your son or daughter. And so this young lady, just like young ladies um, who are getting married in our culture today, they have a lot of planning to do, a lot of expectations, a lot of anxiety, a lot of joy that goes into that. There's a lot of stress associated with this um, planning and executing this marriage. And... um, It's a funny story. It really doesn't have a whole lot to do with Mary, but it's a fun story, so I want to tell it. Um, My wife, Sarah, is wonderful, and she's very, like, calm, cool, and collected, right? And doesn't really get, the boat doesn't get rocked that often. And so even our wedding, as we were planning and getting ready for it, most of the time it was calm, cool, and collected. But even my wife, you know, gets a little antsy, gets a little anxious. There's a lot of expectations around the wedding. And then it, unfortunately, she married a big dummy. And so what happened was my wife was doing all this great planning and I was not. 
So it was the week of our wedding, and I had decided in my great wisdom at oh, 22 or 23, in my wisdom, I said, you know what, I, I just got a job at a lumber yard. So I was like, I'll work all week that week. Sarah will be off in Kansas City area. I'll be in central Kansas. No big deal. I'll work, and then I'll come up like a couple days before we get married, and that'll be, that'll be good. So Sarah goes off, and she's doing all the planning and all the, the, the work to get ready for it. And I'm crashing on a friend's couch. And I'm crashing on a friend's couch because by that time we didn't have a place to live. We were coming up to five days before our wedding and we didn't have a home yet. And I was dedicated not to pay for an extra month rent. Um, if you've ever searched for apartments like that, that's not really how it works. And, uh, and so we didn't have a place to live and we were homeless for a couple weeks after we got married and living in a friend's basement because we didn't have uh, an apartment. We finally did get an apartment. So I'm crashing at my friend's place because we don't have a place to live. And then also on top of that, we were merging our phone plans. So I also didn't have a cell phone for that whole week. So you can imagine the stress that even my wife was very calm, cool and collected. There was a lot of stress in anticipation leading up to this marriage. And uh, back then, 2,000 years ago in Israel, it would have been the same kind of stress, the same kind of work, the same kind of logistics, and sometimes even more so. So this young lady was anticipating and expecting a great thing, a marriage. And then that expectation gets interrupted. All this planning and joy for this marriage gets interrupted. An angel visits her, And um, as we read in scripture, angels are uh, not chubby babies that fly around playing harps. They're actually quite terrifying. Every time someone sees an angel in the Bible, it's a scary event. Um, So an angel shows up to her, and of course she's a little bit worried, perplexed about it. And then the angel gives her a couple of promises. And this is what the angel said. The angel said, don't be afraid, Mary. God is honoring you. Look, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. Being pregnant is a wonderful thing. Since I'm telling stories on my wife, I'll tell another story on my wife. My wife, one of my great joys in life is watching my wife be pregnant. She loves it. And in fact, right after our oldest one, Augustine, was born, a few hours after she gave birth to him, she goes, I'm ready to do this again. She loves it. She loves the process of being pregnant. And so being pregnant is a great thing. It's a great joy. And so Mary gets this word. You are pregnant. And that's an exciting thing. Carrying a child for nine months is an exciting thing. But in this culture, it was also, this probably would have been met with some uh, fear. Because in this culture, being pregnant out of wedlock was essentially a death sentence. You could be killed for adultery. And so this good news might have been a little bit fearful as well. But not only is this good news, this is good news um, that is met with some, some confusion. Because this young lady was a virgin. There's no way she could be pregnant with a child. And so all of her joys and, and expectations for this wedding that she was planning was interrupted by this miracle. The angel gives her a word, Mary, you are going to conceive. You are pregnant. You will have a son. All this expectation is interrupted by a miracle. Even though there's no way that you could be pregnant, you are pregnant. And what a joy that is. 
But then this angel, this God's messenger here, um, is not just giving her one miracle, but is actually going to continue to lay on the miracles. And he continues and he says, he will be great and he will be called the son of the most high and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. So this angel says, Mary, not only are you pregnant, but you are pregnant with someone who is going to be so great that people are going to call him the son of the most high. And in fact, he's going to be so great, he's going to sit on David's throne forever, as we hear uh, in a, later in that paragraph, that this will be the eternal king promised. We know later in this chapter and in the next chapter in Luke that Mary knew her Bible pretty well. She quotes the Bible quite extensively in a song that she sings. And so she is aware that when this angel gives this word, that this son of yours will be called the son of the most high, and he will sit on David's throne forever. Mary knows what this means. This is it. This is the coming Messiah. This is the one that we've all been waiting for. And I can imagine as Mary is hearing this, that all the prophecies that she's memorized and heard um, from, her, from her teachers and her rabbis her whole life are now coming back up. She's, been, she's relearning, rehearing these prophecies about this coming king who would bless all nations through Israel. This coming king who would bring peace to all nations. One of, the, one of my favorite prophecies is um, Isaiah says that, that God will beat people's swords into plowshares. That violence will end because of this person. That he will unite all people under God's rule. And all these prophecies are coming up in Mary's mind. So not only is she miraculously uh, pregnant, but the miracle upon the miracle is that this young man is the coming Messiah. He's the one they've all been waiting for. He's the one they've all been longing for. The one that we eventually know as Jesus of Nazareth, who dies for us, who takes on all the sin of the world, who gets killed by the violence of the world, but then is resurrected for the world. And for those who have faith in him, we join him in his death and resurrection. This is miracle upon miracle upon miracle for this young lady. But the angel doesn't stop there. The angel tells of another miracle. He says, look, even in her old age, your relative Elizabeth has conceived a son. This woman who was labeled unable to conceive is now six months pregnant. Uh, we, earlier in this story, we didn't hear it, um, but there was uh, a story of this angel coming to a priest and this old priest and telling this priest that his old wife was going to give birth to a son. And so this woman who is well past childbearing age, this cousin of Mary, is also pregnant. And as we know, uh, the young man that she's pregnant with is John the Baptist who's the precursor to Jesus, who's the one who announces the coming of the kingdom and prepares the way for Jesus to come after him. So not only is Mary miraculously uh, pregnant, not only is this child miraculously the son of God and the son of the most high and going to be the eternal king um, sitting on David's throne, but also miraculously her older cousin is also pregnant. Mary was expecting so many good things, so many good things. She was expecting this marriage. She was expecting this lifetime of caring for her husband and being supported and cared for by her husband. She was expecting this lifetime of having children and raising a household. And all of her expectations are interrupted by miracles. And you think, how can this be? 
And then the angel says this simple statement, nothing is impossible for God. You have a lot of expectations this Christmas season, right? We are all gearing up for family get-togethers. We're all gearing up for great food that we're going to eat over the next couple of weeks. We're all gearing up for hosting our family or traveling to see our family. We all have expectations this Christmas season. And some of the times, um, some of those expectations aren't positive. They're actually negative. Maybe our family's not as functional as we would like. Maybe there's some unhealthiness in our family. Maybe there's addiction in our family. Maybe there's brokenness and bitterness in our family. Maybe we have to split our time with different siblings or different uh, children because the children or siblings don't get along well together. We have lots of expectations that we are getting ready for. In my prayer for you over the next three weeks, as you plan and do all the logistics and enjoy your family, my prayer for you is that those expectations are interrupted, just like Mary's expectations were interrupted. I pray that in the midst of these three weeks of expectation, getting ready for Christmas, that you see and you witness miracles. That's my prayer for you. Because here's the deal. Nothing is impossible for God. And the angel, the messenger of God, gave um, Mary a word. And so God has called this chubby redneck to give you a word as well, right? My word to you is God wants to do so many good things in your life. He promises you things like peace. He promises you uh, that you are free from fear that you are free from worry. He promises you freedom from sin. He promises you freedom from addiction. He says if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old is passed away. What you've done in the past is gone, and only the new remains. He promises to forget your sins. He promises to forget those things that you've done wrong, that you've messed up. He promises you a kind of supernatural peace that transcends any disagreements you might have with your family. He promises you reconciliation. And in fact, we're ministers of reconciliation, we're told by Paul. Reconciled to God and reconciled to one another. God wants to give you miracle upon miracle upon miracle. And so I pray that your expectations are interrupted. I pray that they're interrupted by miraculous peace. And I pray that they're interrupted by uh, miraculous hospitality. I pray that your broken relationships are healed because nothing is impossible for God. Mary responds to all these miracles a particular way. Then Mary said, I am the Lord's servant. Let it be with me just as you have said. And then the messenger leaves, the angel leaves. So my challenge to you over the next three weeks is to have faith. Have faith that when God says you are forgiven of your sins, you trust it. When he says you have peace and love and joy and patience, trust him that you have it. 
When he says that you'll have peace that surpasses all understanding, trust him because you have it. Ephesians 1 tells us that God has given us every spiritual blessing from heaven. Every single one of them is ours. They're yours. God wants to do a miracle in your life. He wants to free you from fear. He wants to free you from guilt. He wants to free you from addiction. And all you have to say is, I am the Lord's servant. Let it be with me just as you have said. God's already given it to you. So, this Advent season, as we lead up to Christmas, expect God to do miracles. Make your plans. Have your fun. Those are great things. Let us celebrate with our families well. But don't just celebrate. Don't just plan. This Advent season, expect God to do something miraculous. Be on the lookout. Pray and watch. And then respond like Mary. Here am I. I am the Lord's servant. Let it be done with me just as you have said. Amen.